I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. We're probably never going to sort them out. So, right, how have we been doing this week? A little bit of... uh rebound this week anyone uh, especially for zach and uh steve d who are in the um in the what am i looking for in the in the nasdaq you guys are mainly in the nasdaq and i'm a little in, bit more outside the nasdaq in the nasdaq the How's nasdaq been? has been going up down but nothing and it's not nothing major i mean <clears throat> it's still following the feds kind of the summary on on inflation i think um but a lot of the small caps the ones that I'm in, um, extremely volatile as as they are, but even more so this week. I think I'm I'm down on some around probably fifteen percent, and I'm being conservative here. The, the sentiment on the Nasdaq at the just before open was about as low as it was back in the March coronavirus crash. So for it to have a pretty good day today was was quite surprising, really. I suppose it, it couldn't get any worse in terms of sentiment. How are we measuring sentiment in this one? We're just doing Vic. I have no idea. I saw it on a graph on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it was just very interesting to see. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, that could be done by a poll or a box pop or something, couldn't it? Like, or again. by looking at the holdings in the buzz ETF thing or the whatever the <laughs> other one is. The formal. On that the FOMO ETF. The formal one yeah. because no one really knows whether they're too late to buy in. That's Dave why he's Portnoy. probably dropping. <laughs> Is that what Dave Portnoy said? Is he said like, "Don't worry, I'll I'll uh, get you into the FOMO stocks. Just buy my ETF and I'll and I'll pick it for you. I'll figure it all out." Is it is it managed? I, I mean, I'm guessing it's managed. I don't think. Yeah, so it is managed. I understand they're trying to like quantify the amount people are talking about it on Twitter and stuff like that and trying to work out what people are talking about and I guess kind of front run them or at least get in on them. But I was trying to work out with this how they kind of how the algo, presumably it's an algo looking through this, uh, distinguishes between people sort of sensibly talking about stuff and like Parrick pumping stuff all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) What I find ironic is right. I find it ironic it's called artificial intelligence when he just looks at stock twits triggers. <laughs> That'll be it. They'll just be they'll just be downloading stock twits data and just <laughs> feeding it into the algo, just buying whatever everyone's. Speaking of about. which, stock twits does sell data and I think uh, it, it was two weeks ago where people just freaked out and then everyone started just going bearish because they were like, Oh, these guys are gonna if we go bearish on our stock Maybe they won't touch our stock. <laughs> they said, didn't they? they said, just whatever you feel, do the opposite. Yeah, do the opposite. <laughs> Market is the opposite. So there's people saying, like, this stock's going to go to 400, bearish. So, yeah, it was it was kind of like, it was kind of timely of four more ETF to come out when a lot of people were just doing some stupid stuff. There's something to this, though, right? There's this social arbitrage kind of thing. Um, there's actually a YouTube channel called Dumb Money. Um, shout out to... 
uh chris 14 crazy chris on the discord uh got his own youtube channel uh crazy fish something like that is it chris's crazy fish <laughs> is he the guy fancy that talks fish to fish <laughs> fancy fish fishy chris yeah <laughs> fishy chris go watch his um youtube channel on uh on on fish you just get to look at loads of fat fish all the time it's re- really weird <laughs> i suppose it's great if you're into that shit but um yeah he actually pointed me in the direction of uh a youtube channel called dumb money and they are some guys that are basically they're kind of rolling on the principle of you know buy what your girlfriend uses sort of thing uh the idea of looking through twitter and seeing you know what people are buying right now so there might be something to this social arbitrage kind of thing i mean there definitely was last year right that the whole market was basically based on wall street bets and twitter and if someone said this was good or uh, let's say dead inside said it was good um that was it it went up and i think that's still going on to a point so i think there is a bit of an argument for this fomo eater by the way i think we should just introduce this very quickly because we've we might not have introduced this properly but we're talking about the fomo e2f which has been created by dave portnoy which who's a famous uh gambler on the internet as part of barstool sports um so, one of Chamath's boys. Is he one mm. of... He can't be he one is. of Chamath's boys. Why not? He is. How can he's, he not because, be one of Chamath's boys? Because yeah. Chamath uh, donated his GameStop um, wins towards yeah, his Yeah, to uh, the Barstool charity. I mean, don't get me wrong. Dave Portnoy does a lot of good for the world. <laughs> and the Bar- well, the Barstool charity. Probably... R- probably ruins a lot of lives at the same thing but uh, if i'm honest the first time i ever heard of him was uh, when he was walking out of pizza stores because he does a pizza review thing in uh, in new york and he just reviews every pizza uh, store in in new york and that was the first i knew of him out of on on instagram and stuff but yeah he's created this fomo etf i imagine it's going to quiet down when sports start to open up because he's traditionally a sports betting guy uh probably mm. ruined a few lives on that to be honest and now he's trying to venture out into stocks and uh options trading and stuff like that but yeah he's run, running this uh fomo etf what's the is it called buzz is that the ticker or is it called a so there's is, two is the, uh oh, yeah he's running there's, buzz there's... um and there is another etf called fomo there's another etf by the way just for interest on the theme that you were describing which is buying stuff your girlfriend uses that's called becky ticker symbol <laughs> what? wow that's great is that a trading 212 wow <laughs> I doubt it. You want to know what's in yeah, it? it? Oh, go for it. Go for it. I love uh, Apple, Louis Chipotle, Vuitton. Mexican Grill, Etsy, Facebook. Who's your girlfriend, Louis Vuitton? Um, <laughs> Lululemon, <laughs> Pinterest, Peloton, and Shopify. Are their main not, es- not Estee Lauder or L'Oreal? Or? Yeah. It might be further down. Lauder. I was wow. only looking down that top 10. No associated British foods. There's no ABF in there, and there's there's no. Um... <laughs> oh, good. I was just about to say we were really bad. Then not going to go there. <laughs> are you going to say waste management? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, something like. No, um, ah, you probably haven't heard of this one. No Louvu. No Louvu. I... <laughs> Don't bother. I know that that joke's (laughs) gone way over my head. That one, but uh, that's interesting. Um, I I imagine it's not kid compliant, so um, it won't be over here, would it? And don't stop talking about kids. We're not talking about kids again. But um, yeah, there's an element of sort of like 
I've no there's idea. A, there's an element of like sort of Lynchian sort of thinking there, though, isn't he? Peter Lynch thinking, yeah, didn't he? Basically, used to say that he used to go to his local his local um, mall and <laughs> stand outside of Dunkin' Donuts and realise that it was still busy despite being a recession, so that business wasn't affected. So he went and bought some Dunkin' Donuts and made a 20x out of it. I think it was his best holding in the end. And, and you're mm. right, because uh, Peter Lynch did say a, a lot of things. It's all about that personal edge that you might have on the market. All the other marketeers are... And all the hedge funds and investors are all doing their algorithms and they're all trying to find the best thing. But in reality, yeah, possibly you do have an edge based on what you uh, what you see day to day, what your kids are doing. Because that's another thing is a lot of people are now looking at what their kids are doing and they've seen them on Roblox, they've seen them on Minecraft and they're looking into the future and they're uh, again like you we you were even talking about buying Disney for your nephew and I I did actually think about that today while I was riding my bike and I was thinking actually yeah I'm sitting my kid in front of Disney even now and it's probably going to be a big part of his future as well uh, as much as it was say my future so there is there's definitely something there. I can I can see being invested in Disney and seeing my child watching Disney. You know, he's loving Toy Story, loving Incredibles, and you know, he's loving the Pixar stuff rather than the old Lion King and stuff which we would have grown up with. Uh, but there's still that next element, and yeah, I think that that gives me sort of a solidified idea of Disney is going to be around forever and it's going to maintain that specialness of the business. Uh, as what Warren Buffett would say, but yeah, uh, I, the trouble is, is in my circle right now, I I, I wouldn't have a clue what my missus is buying. <laughs> so, uh, what what's your missus? Go on, what's your just in in secret? What's your missus buying? What, what should we be? Uh, in my case, it's uh, that oat milk company that's about to IPO called Oatly or something like that. Uh, oh. She buys their stuff quite a bit. Ah, interesting, and that's like. She's getting more conscience, uh, conscious about the uh, environment? Yeah, she, I mean, it's partly that kind of way direction. Well, she just, she, likes... um, she just get the shits from dairy, is that just one of the things? No. <laughs> um... <laughs> Feel free to air that on a public podcast. Yeah, I, one, one day she might listen to this, so I probably won't. But, uh, I mean, she, no, it's for sort of ethical related reasons, I think. I mean, it's a bit tricky with Oatly because I think there's... A kind of awkward ethical angle to them as well, which might be to do with sort of deforestation or something along those lines. Yeah. But um, that's that's her reason for kind of being interested in it, and I think quite likes oat milk coffees, basically. Oh, oat milk is amazing in a tea. Just just as a side note, <laughs> I don't really care about milk or whatever, but in a tea is the business. Are we all just coming out as vegans right now? Because if we are, I'm going to support uh, Unilever right now because <clears throat> I have been buying. Did- um, I've been buying uh, vegan ice cream by Ben and Jerry's the past couple of days just because it's mega cheap. By accident. Uh, more than more that it's like you've got the five pound <laughs> Ben and Jerry's there and you've got uh, the vegan stuff which you know what they can't sell and it's like two pound and I'm telling you that chocolate fudge vegan ice cream thing I can't tell the difference. I can't tell the difference. I'm trying, and I'm usually pretty good at this stuff. I cannot tell the difference about how good that vegan ice cream is. It's the future. That has convinced me that there's certain elements of veganism that are the future now because if they can make <laughs> ice cream that good, <laughs> I'm bigging up Unilever here, but if they can make ice cream that good without milk, I'm in. I'm in. It's so good, honestly. 
So yeah, that's me coming that's it, out as a vegan right now. Yeah. yeah. Vegans will On just opposite- eat ice cream all day in the future. <laughs> yeah yeah that's it oh uh, yeah uh, what was the there was a thing i uh, i remember on qi as well they said that avocados or broccoli isn't vegan either uh because it it requires you i mean uh the carbon footprint of an avocado is massive so that that's like a big <laughs> negative it is because we ship them they've got to be they've got to be grown in like south south america or something and we have to ship them like oil tankers across <laughs> across this, the ocean to get them to your plate so uh yeah it's just Steve's laughing on avocado. i just think do you want to say goodbye to all the people leaving the podcast yeah, I know, I know. I'm, talking, I'm talking so much yeah and, but i'm sure it was on qi it was that broccoli or some other vegetable is not vegan because it requires the use of bees to be transported to pollinate and um, that's uh, that's just a fun fact. I'm sure. I'm sure people will find that interesting. Uh, what they we will. talk about? We talk about stimulus, weren't we? <laughs> uh, we got to that yet? We were talking about how people's portfolios were doing. I thought, but then oh, then I got we? distracted by this idea of an uh, avocado the size of an oil tanker floating across the sea somehow. <laughs> <laughs> my, my holding my holding an avocado ink has gone up massively. <laughs> This reminds me of Gorilla's Plastic Beach album cover. You're destroying the planet. You're destroying the planet. Um, uh, I was going to get on to buying the cow as well. If if you wanted to just have a chat about that. Did anyone see that app? (laughs) I did see that, yeah. Yeah, Was that in South Africa? Yeah, I'm so up for that. Um, But uh, just to talk about it, there's this app. um, It's called uh, uh, Crowd Farming. Uh, I can't remember what the app is called. I'll leave it in the description or something. It's called Crowd Farming, where you can essentially buy a cow in South Africa and they'll raise it and uh, you'll get the price uh, that it sells for. I'm I'm so up for that. I'm just going to try it. So on the opposite side of on the opposite side of being vegan, I'm I'm probably going to buy a cow for slaughter as well. Sounds sound like the starting of a Jack Jack and the Beanstalk story. <laughs> oh, it'll make a great YouTube video. <laughs> Right, so this week, uh, we've seen the stocks rebounding a little bit. What are the reasons for the stocks rebounding? Why are we seeing this? We've got stimulus, we've got interest rates, we've got inflation. Ray Dalio is calling for the end of the world, I've I've heard. What what are we doing and how are you investing? That's what I want to get through, actually. How are you guys planning on investing in this really uncertain time? Uh, it's difficult because you can't I mean the what the Fed have because I'm in mainly the US stuff right so the Fed has summarized that inflation is going to go up to 2.4% and then it's going to go back down to 2% if I can recall correctly and I think a lot of people have seen that to be a positive thing because they're trying to um, keep it under control because the long term target has always been 2% anyway I think that's not uh, a normal growth rate for most economies um, if he's telling the truth right if he's telling it, the truth it, yeah and uh, there are obviously some pessimistic kind of uh, people out there who, who do think and they jump into gold and bitcoin as well I think so it just yeah. depends on where you are which side of you know the, the trench you're in but um, I 
I think I think they can control it, but I mean, obviously, inflate uh, interest rates might might be raised as well in the in the coming months and years even, because we don't look at months; we are long term investors, and then become micro cap investors. <laughs> well, they, they say that they can't. They say that they they can't predict um, interest rates beyond three to six months. Anyway, can they? they can tell you what's going to happen in the next quarter, the next two quarters? But anybody who could tell you beyond that is a liar. Um, we we all presume that there's going to be a, a ton of inflation but it's one of those things it's like there's, there's nothing here that we can control as, as retail investors there's absolutely nothing we can do you can either be in cash and potentially miss the sort of levels of stock inflation that we've just had or you can be in stocks and you know you could be like the lemmings being driven off the cliff um so yeah that, that's really it really my horizon is still long time out any crash i'll be quite comfortable that we can recover from it so I'm I'm I don't have a penny in cash at the moment. I am 100% invested in my accounts, uh, both Invest and my ISA. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm ready to be either the lemming or the winner. That's it, isn't it? It's um, it's I I can't think of a, another way that I'd be spending my cash. I'm going through a bit of a di- uh, di- a dilemma at the moment, and. Um, it's because I've got a three percent car loan, which I could pay off. That's interesting. You know, that'll save me a couple of hundred quid in three years. And then I've got my two point eight percent mortgage, which I've got as well. And I might have to add an, add a little bit more with help to buy. And I could just pay off that. I could, you know, I could forego being in the market and get a guaranteed two point eight percent and pay off my mortgage and then live happy and free forever. It's a. It's definitely something that I've been thinking about. But then there's the market, ain't there? There's Mr. Market and there's uh, April 6th coming up as well. I could just load in and see if I can score Did. another 8, 8%. And it's, it's this thing, isn't it? It's, you know, we're talking maths. We're talking maths. This could save me money and this might make me psychologically better off. It, and I think for me, I'm I'm staying in stocks at least for the next year of you know continuously reinvesting investing for the long term all that sort of thing and it's important to remember i think steve uh pointed out there is that the the best investing days are come straight after the worst investing days and i think we've seen that multiple times in the past couple of uh well past year basically uh if you had missed out on the and i did i personally kept i was keeping out of stocks to start putting into my isa and i missed i probably missed the first four or five days of last year and i missed out on a significant amount of money at that point um if if you miss out you can try and time it and you might miss out on the worst days in the market and of course that's always going to be better for you you're always going to be if you miss those really bad crash days you know where stocks start going down 15 20 30 percent and uh, over the, over a couple of months then that's great but straight after that's when the best days are when people start to get the confidence in again and it jumps 15 percent it jumps 30 percent and they usually come straight after and it's very hard to time the losing versus the gaining and i think that's what you're kind of getting at there the market crashed on my birthday last year so that's my excuse why i couldn't uh, happy birthday <laughs> cool. that means your birthday's like was a couple of days ago right yeah it was yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday! So, I didn't know that. So yeah, so so yeah, so I I, I didn't get in at the bottom. 
But yeah, it's all good. Comatose on cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, tra- two it was quite funny when hand. I saw the graph. <laughs> <laughs> I um to 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 forward on on what Paul said. I think JP Morgan said something like sixty to eighty percent after a dip, the market rebounds, and that's the best days. Mm-hmm. And if you miss those, oh, you might as well just. You might as well just buy Bitcoin. I'm joking. <laughs> it knocks a couple of hundred grand off your final total, I think. And you just need to remember that no matter no matter what sort of style of investing you do, because there's a lot of like flinging shit around at the moment. And um, I suppose I've been a little bit guilty of it as well. But it's 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 very simple. Like no matter what you're doing, if you're investing in index funds, if you're and if you're dividend investing, if you're growth investing, if you're value investing, if you're investing in cows in South Africa, it seems to be the best thing is just kind of staying in, you know, and and letting it ride because they seem to be the most important. And I've I've, I've just done this. I recorded this yesterday in a video. The three main parts of investing are nothing to do with looking at stocks. They're nothing to do with knowing p ratios or the future total addressable market of a stock it's very simple it's emotional control knowing your risk and uh building your base up building that bit uh that big base of cash and i think generally if you stick to those things unless you're lo- yoloing it and sign <laughs> supply at me uh shout out to waney in the uh discord there i'm oh, just gonna give him a little mention there uh, unless you're doing that, then um, yeah, you'll be all right, I think, in the market. Generally, obviously, lots of risk in the market. You could lose everything. Blah 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 blah. Do your own dil- due diligence. And went on winter comment. Yeah, went went off on a bit of a tangent. Yeah, but yeah, inflation. I personally am kind of going on my own anecdotal evidence, and I believe we are seeing a lot more inflation than what the Fed is suggesting, and I think they're going to have to control it. I I really do, and I think they're going to have to control it earlier than 2023-24. Personal opinion, and that day uh, when they announced that, because the worst thing about it was Powell kind of did a wishy-washy sort of everything's good, economy's good, we're not going to raise interest rates, but he had this kind of backhanded kind of tone with it as well. And that sent the market really wobbly. And I, I don't like that about the market right now. There must be... Steve, you're nodding your head. Uh, Steve W, you're nodding your head on this one. Yeah, I, like you, get the impression that the market is struggling to believe Powell at the moment when he's talking about have, keeping things under control, uh, letting interest rates run... Uh, sorry, letting inflation run a little bit and keeping in, infla, uh, interest rates reasonably low i think there's a kind of growing swell within the market not a majority or anything like that just yet that thinks look if inflation starts running you will either not be able to stop it or lose control of the bond market and if you lose control of the bond market for reasons we talked about before this will filter across into stocks basically yeah i wanted to talk about that as well i'm kind of throwing this in because i don't think you've probably not you've probably not researched this at the moment but the bond market right now i don't think the government bond market is so much in a bubble and Kathy Wood very much pointed it out a few months ago that bonds are in a bubble uh, it was very hard to understand exactly what she meant by that but she's talking about corporate bonds she's saying that there's a lot of debt right now in a bubble and 
buying corporate bonds right now could be really dangerous as well even though people are slowly flocking to them because the yields are super high i'm sure someone showed me hmm. some of the netflix le yields recently like 12 percent um very very tempting to get into but there's so much debt out there a lot of these companies and this is what i wanted to sort of stress on some of the bigger growth companies they're taking a lot of debt and they're uh, they're issuing a lot of shares just for their growth in particular the hydrogen stocks are doing this at the moment and i even said that uh over well over a year ago when i talked about hydrogen stocks all of them are selling um shares or issuing shares to make money and they have been for years it's because we've got no product to sell yet this mm. is it and and is this the market we're in at the moment where we've got companies which have just been inflated they, they've inflated their growth on i know there's another and i'm sure you'll explain the the other reasons why someone would take on debt but it feels to me that some of these companies are just growing based on debt right now um is debt good or is debt bad and do we think that maybe corporate bonds are in a bubble as well? Like Ray Dalio suggests, um, like Kathy Wood suggests. It's odd to me to think that those two really agree on this at the moment. And that points me in a certain direction as well. I bet you guys have got nothing to say on that one, have you? <laughs> so I'll take corporate bonds a little bit here. I mean, one thing that we are seeing is that people who are bond investors, uh, and this has been happening for the last year or so now, by the way, this isn't kind of immediately recent have been getting pushed into riskier and riskier uh, bonds. And by that, I mean bonds with just lower credit ratings from uh, places like Moody's or Standard & Poor's and that kind of thing. Because in order to get any kind of return on your money at all, uh, you have to start looking for places where the um, debt levels are, are, cl are classed as riskier, basically. And the trouble for this from a company's perspective is the more money you raise by debt, the more debt you have outstanding, the lower your credit rating goes for next time, at least most of the time, which means the more expensive your debt is in the future. And if there's a squeeze on this kind of thing, then there's going to be a lot of companies that might find they've kind of overcommitted themselves and are now stuck uh, because they can't get um, debt anymore because their credit ratings have gone shot because they used it all during this period when debt was cheap. And you're ready. That's for the this. whole thing, isn't it? That's what they're saying about crashes. Is that basically, you know, that you when the tide goes out, you find out who's been swimming naked, and this is exactly what that situation is. Who's swimming naked then? Who are they? Uh, airlines. Well, I, I think it's airlines, but I it would have been airlines. Someone's just helicoptered Hurts. them <laughs> uh, some uh, swimming <laughs> gear recently. I will stick up yeah. to the hydrogen Life stocks rafts. a little bit, though. I mean, in fairness about the hydrogen stocks, uh, Paul's right, they're all flinging equity around, but this is because they're sort of young and junior companies, and a lot of them haven't got much by way of sales. And there's basically two ways they, they can are. finance themselves. I'm just going to introduce... I'm in, going to inter okay. interrupt you there. I don't, I don't think they are. Some of these, like Nell, they're over 100 years old. You know, a plug is 20... Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb there and say it was like 25 years old, but I bet it's not. Sa sales, it? it's demand as well. They, they've not got sales mm. or demand. That's the problem. Yeah, that's Carry the on, theory Steve. anyway. I'll go back to the idea. Now this is the theory, which may well be wrong. Um, but the younger a company is in general, and I'm thinking of the hydrogen stocks as this kind of uh, area, the more you have to finance your business by equity because you can't take on debt because you can't pay back the damn debt because you haven't got any sales. So you better just give away something that isn't going to charge you any interest on it, which is the only other thing you can use, which is equity. And that's why I think Plug are 
uh, they've been doing quite a lot of printing shares um, over the last decade or so. Their revenues have gone up an awful lot, as I pointed out before, I think. Their share count's also gone up by more than their revenues have gone up. And I was kind of critical of that, saying that's not really growth. In fairness to Plug and the Plug management, that might be what you have to do uh, to grow. I mean, I wouldn't say, look, this is an obviously horrendous managerial decision or something like that. Um, it's something that's proved to be expensive for them, but it's it might well be that they had no real alternative, in fairness. Other companies don't have to do that, though, and I think that's the point. Other companies don't have to issue as much as they do. Electric vehicles, most of them, so, or no, actually not even most of them, some of them don't get uh, don't have to issue shares because they've got a good product that's uh, that's uh, well in demand. A lot of healthcare right now, uh, Teladoc and all that, don't, they are doing it. They are, of course, issuing shares, but they're not doing it on the scale of the hydrogen stocks. And they're also not issuing, issuing as many bonds either. It's good management, though. I mean, if you if you was the CEO of, you know, Briscoe Industries and, and you thought you had a, a company that was worth $30 a stock and, and it had gone up to $150 because of exuberance, then you would be issuing you would be issuing a shitload of shares. Of course, because you know. I will take advantage of exuberance for cash uh, any time. But the thing is, is that you've got to look at this as an investor and say, well, they don't believe they're worth one hundred and fifty dollars. If they're dishing out shares at the rate they're doing, they do not believe they're worth that money. Oh, of course, we're saying that about. I mean, we can say that about Tesla right now is that um, you know it's got eight hundred. Uh, it's probably a six hundred billion market cap right now. Um, it doesn't have to take out any debt. All it has to do is issue a few shares, and there you go. There's five billion for your next factory. You know, straight there. And it is the smart. It, of course, it's a smart management move. It's just, and it happens in times of exuberance, doesn't it? And I don't know. It's it's kind of scary. I mean, speaking of debt, because um, this is going to be a massive segue. We're going to one of the most um, in debt companies in the world right now, 192 billion in debt is VW, which has had a massive, massive run last year. By the way, 192 billion in debt—that's more than AT&T. So suck it, everyone who thinks AT&T I, is. I, I thought debt. that's where that segue was going. By the way, where you said one of the most in debt <laughs> yeah, companies. Yeah. I thought. I, well, did we say we talk about AT&T? I haven't written anything down about AT&T. I thought, I thought VW I has more debt than countries. Yeah. It has more debt than the Netherlands, I think, is is one of uh, the famous ones. But yeah, 192 billion in debt, and uh, yeah, I knew. I thought I might catch someone there thinking it was AT and T. No, it's a it's a surprising fact which I didn't I didn't know about VW. Now VW is a company that I've wanted to get into for a year. I just could never bring myself to it because we weren't sure of the direction <laughs> they were going. They were, remember we were this. Going in. Yeah, do you remember? It, it was a year ago, I think, we conversed about this. Because this yeah, was before the um, ID3. And yeah. at that time, I was saying um, VW is a finance company as well. And I think they do a lot of leasing um, for large institutions like the NHS. Uh, so they practically sell BMWs and all sorts of Jaguars and everything. And VW cars. So, yeah. I mean, at that time, I was saying they, they, they're big enough to rotate. To EV, but at the expense of kind of cannibalism, but that's yeah. expected for a for a company that's going to rotate. Um, have they got loads of factories? Yes, they did at the time as well. And obviously, retooling is expensive, and I think a lot of people were worried that oh, they're not going to do it because it's they're going to basically eat into their new cars that they're producing because they, they come out of the Golf nearly every year, don't they? Now? So, um, I've, I've, here we are have today. You been in the E Golf, have you seen the E Golf? That's a pretty good car. 
I've not sat in the... I mean, I was looking at the ID3 on the NHS listing, because it's quite cheap on it. I think it's about £200 a month or something, I think it was. Because um, VW provide the cars, they offer exclusive deals on their cars only. So I think that's... I I did kind of play um, that kind of part as well last year. I said they're going to kind of push their cars forward. Um... (sighs) Here we are today, yeah. ID4. It, it, it's this basically... Week, uh, is it last week? Um, VW has shot up about 60% in the last month. And this is all on the news that um, VW is now going proper electric. Has it ended? I, I don't fully know the news. I don't know if you guys would know a little bit more about the news. But it they, they turned up their electric uh, car production... And I think, or it might have been Aldi, um, Aldi, Audi, that have decided to <laughs> stop all um, special buys. <laughs> <laughs> they've all, they've all uh, decided to stop the their development of their engines now, haven't they? They've, they've decided to stop development of their ICE engines. And I think um, mm-hmm. VW are going in the same direction now as well. Uh, what what are we thinking? Is it going to take over Tesla? Are Tesla still number one in the EV space? Um, George Bank analysts estimate uh, VW's electric car business alone could be worth now. Check this out: two hundred thirty billion on its own. That's more than all of VW is worth now. And um, they've set a, a new price target for for about two hundred seventy euros. So. These guys are extremely bullish. This reminds me of like Tesla in the early days now. Well, not early days, but a year ago, when everyone was like, "Oh yeah, it's just a car um, business alone is going to be worth so and so billion." I think Ark were on that vibe as well. Um, I think what they're saying is that because ID4 is now selling across Europe, China, and the US, um, they're gonna they're gonna roughly match Tesla at some point. I think well, they have the scale already, don't they? They they they've got the scale. They just need to retool that scale. Yeah. Um, so Volkswagen should be they should be pretty much able to hit the ground running. It just depends on how good their their specs of their car are. And EVs is a bit of a re-education of the population because you don't need to centrally fuel a car anymore once you have an EV. It's it's more like driving your phone. You know, you, you get it in at night and you plug your phone in and, and you you charge it overnight. And that's essentially how a car works. It's, there is a big re-education program. I, I've got an electric car and I the people I meet are just utterly confused by how it works. Like, you sit around for an hour at a petrol station and charge it. Like, no, I've had it for a year and I've never done that. I said this I said this over a year ago and people were saying to me, people, how are you ever going to start, uh, start charging your cars at a petrol station? I was like, no, you have to change your mindset. The world has to change your mindset. You're going to have to treat it like your mobile phone. You have, you're going to have to keep it always topped up. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. And range is all going to be about getting from A to B and then topping it up at B. And overnight, you're charging it overnight. When you put your bed, uh, when you go to bed and you put your phone on your bedside table, you charge it. That's what you're doing with your car. You, we're, we're changing all, all that around. And it's surprising. And it's surprising how long that's taken to get into people's minds. Mm. Um, I was, I was easily, I've definitely got that in a video that I said over a year ago. Um, cause it was one of my big pet peeves of people saying that EVs were, uh, terrible. The only thing that I can, 
I'm struggling to get behind on EVs is that so so Cathy Wood brought out the new Tesla price target of three thousand, which I think puts it at something like three trillion by twenty twenty five or twenty thirty. Yeah. Twenty twenty five. Oh, that is that's a big number to get to in, you know, just four years. Uh, you know, people say I'm bearish on Tesla. I've I've been getting a lot of shit recently for being bearish on Tesla. I'm definitely not bearish on Tesla. I just don't want to take the risk myself of getting into a stock that is, you know, that's got a lot of exuberance right now. And you know what? And personally, if it's going to get to three trillion, I've got plenty of time to get into Tesla. So uh, leave me alone on that one. Um, it, it would seem pretty unachievable that 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 number. Um, I was watching um, Joseph Carlson's broke it down quite well actually in a video. Um, that was out over the weekend, I think. Oh, I and basically, they've, they've attributed a sliver, like 8% of the business to um, to insurance. And mm. uh, it's absolutely unachievable. Like Tesla will never have the capital to, to achieve that. Because the thing is with insurance is you actually need that in cash to insure it. And you have to hold it in cash. It's part of your liquidity ratios. And Tesla doesn't have that cash. And it it can't magic out of nowhere and if and if it does magic out of nowhere by selling shares bitcoin. that price target gets further and further away <laughs> they're gonna invest in bitcoin aren't they <laughs> yeah the bitcoin is gonna magically get there um, all that, I, all think the cash. Right. I think you're right on that and they've talked about uh tesla insurance and i've i've molded it over tesla insurance um it's a again it's a camp it's another cannibalizing business because they're gonna bring in robo taxis and surely robo taxis mm eventually shouldn't need uh, you know traditional car insurance because everything's automated and talking to each other so i i I get really confused about that one a lot of other people see it as as a as very clear as day and that's fine and i don't quite see that bit as clear as day but i definitely do see the car market the only problem with the someone's um Someone's ran the numbers on the the insurance claims actually, just to give you an idea of what they're proposing that Tesla will charge for insurance. And I think on the bull case, it would be three thousand two hundred dollars to mm. insure your car for the year. And on on the Arcs West case scenario price that they put up, it would be two thousand two hundred dollars to insure your Tesla for a year, which is about five times the average uh, car insurance price. So it basically, and I mean, I don't we knock Ark a lot, but it really does show like a, a rampant misunderstanding of how the insurance business works and the margins involved in it. That's interesting because there's there's a lot. You would have thought that these analysts, they they say they're shit hot. They say they're that the analysts at Ark are the they know everything about their areas, and if if it is throwing up, kind of discrepancies like that you do wonder about their analysts across the rest of uh, the ETFs as well we can't say they're wrong because I don't like to say they're wrong because I I fully believe that this that Tesla is going to be absolutely brilliant the the bit I'm struggling to get around is with a three trillion valuation and most of that is based on the car market that is that's uh, there's not a lot that's based on anything else. I, I think they only attributed a very small, if zero, portion to energy, I think. How can it become worth more than the entire motor or automobile market around the world? How how 
can we get that evaluation well, of the company gone? I think part of the idea, I was having a little look at this as well from Arc, and there's sort of two things, I guess, that we haven't really mentioned so far. One is to do with their kind of robo-taxi, in fact, sorry, both are to do with their robo-taxi idea. But the first one is that they, Arc was speculating that Tesla might try and edge their way across to this via a kind of human taxi uh, approach. So what they're thinking of, I, I think, is a kind of Tesla version of Uber, more or less, where people who want to be Uber drivers can sign their cars up to the kind of Tesla Central app and you can get ride hailing going on with human drivers rather than robo-taxis as a sort. And the idea, I suppose, is that you kind of entrench that and then gradually shift your way across to uh, robo-taxis, basically, in an automated uh, ride hailing service. That's I was looking at their kind of ball case uh, and their kind of best case uh, scenario for this sort of thing, and it was for 2025 looking at, I think... 10 million cars, 60% of which will have the FSP, which is the automating, uh, auto-driving pack built in. I couldn't work out quite what price they thought people were going to be willing to pay for that. I didn't see that in their kind of assumptions. But when I looked at Goldman, who were talking about a similar kind of thing, they were thinking that people are going to have to pay about 10 grand for the FSP mm. package and about between 50 quid and 200 quid a month to have the software updates when they become available. That's quite expensive. Um... And this is why it's significant that VW are, in without uh, without controversy, we can say, are attempting to make a charge to be the dominant player uh, here. Because if Tesla, either the numbers don't get there in terms of the cars, or not enough of them have the kind of FSP pack, or that has to come in at the lower end of that 50 to 200 quid range for software updates, the numbers start coming off quite quickly here. Um, and that's that's why the kind of VW thing is significant, I think. Yeah, with v, VW, they had their power day uh, yesterday, or to, uh, it might have been this morning, but the, the news about it has really come out this morning. Um, power day almost directly translates uh, to Tesla's battery day. So they're, they're talking about what they're doing. And uh, what I've actually got here is uh, Arc's latest email on it. Uh, and uh, a guy called Sam Chorus, who is there, uh, who is archi- um he's their like EV analyst. He wrote uh, a very bias, and I don't know, slightly, um, slightly contrarian view on this one. It's, it it reads like a seeking alpha <laughs> opinion piece, to be honest with you. Uh, it's like uh, it's entitled Volkswagen Power Day suggests the right strategy at the wrong speed. So they're basically saying that while Volkswagen is bringing in its battery day and it's trying to do, you know, the CEO's now on Twitter and it's trying to do launch a good marketing campaign. And it's, I think it highlighted out it's going to do 240 gigawatt hours of batteries by 2030. So it's really making progress. You know, it's like you say with the retooling, it's really making the progress. Uh, the article, it's, it's only a very small email part of the article, but they're just basically saying, yeah, you, you're copying Tesla's battery way, and that's amazing, you know, because Tesla obviously has the best way, and we can't possibly say that the way that you're going down is wrong, but you're doing it too slowly. You, you're not going to keep up. You're not going to catch. And uh, I think they've said... In Ark's view, companies with old-world DNA are unlikely to transition quick enough to dominate the new world. That's the that's the argument now. That's the argument that 240 gigawatt hours in, uh, in VW's ba- uh, power day 
uh, factory predictions is too slow because Tesla's going to get away and it's going to dominate the world. Do we do we think this? Like, do we seriously uh, are people coming and nipping at Tesla's heels now? And have we priced in Tesla a little bit too high? Is that what's going? I think on? we're going to get a lot of this now, aren't we? When more big old school. Um, Manufacturers are going to jump in. I think Ford's jumping in with the E Mustang now. I think, um, but as, with VW, I think they're pushing the kind of the SUV um, front because SUVs are popular in UK, Europe, and China as well, mm. I guess. And um, I think I'm just reading some numbers now from uh, from VW. So, so the ID4, I think it is a kind of a compact utility vehicle CUV. Um, so by 2025, Volkswagen expects the ID4 to make up a third of its target for 1.5 million in EV sales that year. Uh, over the next five years, Volkswagen is investing 73 billion euros on digital and EV technologies, up up from an earlier plan to spend 60 billion. So already they're kind of like um, pushing a lot more money into this, and they know they have to push it because. Um, Tesla's are going to stop, and neither are any other companies. I think Ford and even probably GM's going to jump into this as well. The the big the big problem with being this, number one this, is that everybody's out out to get you, isn't it? That's the thing with Tesla is that they they are out in front. I think everybody would say that their battery technology is it's arguably the best. Their management technology is is the best. But now mm-hmm. they're just a target, and you know the only the problem is is that that's one company versus hundreds of company looking to shoot them down. Yeah, yeah. Um, with this new, with this news of VW going electric, even though we, you know, I don't think anything's really changed. I think we probably a month ago, uh, you know, probably last year when me and Zach were talking about investing into VW, we knew there was a link with Neo going on. Uh, we know that there's um, there's autonomous stuff going on with Intel, and you know, it's kind of just taking the it's taking the other guard, it's taking the other direction. We knew that it was going to start developing battery hubs. I think we've known this for a year, and it's been very quiet. But now it's you know they've done a battery day, a, uh, sorry, a power day. Is it worth sixty-seven percent in a month? Is it? Is it? Was it worth that a couple of days ago? Even though we knew everything was coming, didn't the um, spike up kind of trigger SEC uh, looking into it? I think I read something where. I thought, okay, this is a bit weird because VW doesn't spike up just like that. I don't think it has. Well, it does during its short squeezes. It does during its short squeezes. So, uh, so, so uh, it's got a lot of. Uh, so yeah, it's got a lot more eyes on the kind of stock now as well. So yeah, it'll be an interesting time. Yeah, worth noting, Tesla are being sued again. Uh, I think, or the SEC, I think, uh, attempting to sue them again for that Elon tweet from a while ago where he said it was overpriced in his opinion. Um, I think. Uh, oh, is it is it based on that tweet? I thought it was the other one because I thought the other one was just one guy. It was just one guy that lost a lot of money and he was trying to sue and they sort of said, oh, good luck with that, mate. I, I'm not sure. So I th- uh, I'm not sure. I thought it was the SEC and I also thought, yeah, good luck with that when I heard what was going on there. But I mean, yeah. this is kind of the thing with Tesla that I think is a sneaky good thing for them Um, because I think they do better as a stock when people don't think about them in terms of how many cars have you got to get on the road by when and how much do you have to have people pay for them and that kind of thing. I think they do a lot better 
when they're thought of as a kind of Elon Musk visionary story, basically. Because you can start mm. valuing that where you like, right? I mean, when we yeah. start talking about exactly how much is this autonomous ride-hailing thing going to be worth, it becomes a bit trickier. But then when you think, well, look, I like this story. This is the only car company that has a full-time... Oh, it might be the only anything company, by the way, that has a full-time master of coin um, on its kind of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, board basically and when we start getting back to that kind of thing and we start thinking oh it's elon against the world because here comes the sec again with a pretty tenuous looking case from what i saw of it i think things look kind of brighter for tesla and i think kind of the best thing for them is to try and keep things like that for a little bit because even 2025 or 2030 when we start talking about solar roofs and that kind of thing it's all a very long way away and until then they're going to look a lot like a car company but not just a car company uh, I say that again, just for anyone who didn't hear me the first time, but they write in the comments, they're not just a car company, um, but they will look a lot like a car company because for the foreseeable, a lot of their revenues are going to come from selling cars and that will confuse a lot of people into thinking that they're a car company. Um, and they're much better, I think, when they're thought of as a kind of Elon's grand vision for humanity company. There's been a lot of news. I've been recent reading it over the past couple of days. Um, China not happy with Tesla at the minute, or at least they're stopping their military uh, people from buying Teslas, which I thought was everybody in China. I thought everybody in China was in the military. <laughs> or am I thinking of North Korea? I'm thinking of North Korea, aren't I? Tip for tat, <laughs> isn't it? Because um, it is almost a tip for tat, because I think it was DJ, DJI that were kicked out of the uh, the military in, in the US. Ah, for, yeah, for, DJI, yeah, for, I remember that story. Because of uh, reasons regarding spying and cameras yeah. and surveillance. But, uh, yeah. yeah, same thing, I guess. Teslas have cameras. It could be used for you the same what? purpose. You know what? Now I think about it. I thought this story was a sack of shit, actually. It's I a, thought it was a, Tesla's a, a absolute... TV company. I thought this <laughs> was an absolute bag, but I now I think about it, maybe it could be a Chinese government ploy to maybe like push people towards neo and xpeng and lee and this and is funny those. it is funny because when i was invested in neo you, you know because you you kind of stick around with the with the same crowd and they're always like oh the the, the ccp are gonna push tesla out using this way using this mm. technique and i think one time they did i think they um they they only allowed home home um manufacturers to um, drive in uh, Sh Shanghai I think it was on s at certain times and it kind of uh, disfavoured uh, Tesla the, at that time as well and even with the battery as a service I think they were only favouritising the battery service companies so there's loads of different techniques I think this is going to be again one for the tinfoil hat <laughs> people yeah hmm. it's an interesting one it's, it's the tinfoil hat gets a bit um get a bit thinner once you start talking about china though don't it? doesn't it you know there's legs start to like go on these theories because china does this a lot so yeah it was just something i thought about just then um things made a lot more sense just then but, bw um, uh, bw's pushed into china though with the id4 so <laughs> we'll yeah. see we'll see yeah, how they get favoritized or you know which... yeah yeah it, it just I think we need to point out right here that I don't think any of us right now, even though uh, we've just we've tried to display a balanced view of Tesla right here, I don't think any of us are bearish on the company of Tesla. Uh, I think we're just 
a little bit. Uh, personally, I think we're too early to the EV sector. That's why I personally think, and I think I've said that before, is I think we're just too early. We got too excited that all this is coming and it's all shiny and new. And you know, we go to dot com bubble. Do I say dot com bubble again and say this is what happened with the internet? I think this is going to happen with the Internet of Things and five G as well. I think that there is people are going to get too exuberant. And I don't think we're going to have a massive two-year crash like like we had dot-com bubble. And I certainly don't think we're anywhere near the top of this bubble. If you look at 1929 and you look at 1960s and then you look at 2000, I think we've got a long, long way to go before this, this blow-off top. So I think you know, it could still be five, six years away from really having a big crash. But with EVs and things like that, I think that's where we're mostly going to have these problems. Yeah, worth pointing Personally. out that we we did have big winners from the dot-com stuff. I mean, Amazon was a dot-com, and that came on and did really, really well. And there's there's definitely a decent chance Tesla does that. I mean, if I was a Tesla shareholder, I'm not, but if I was in it and had thought about it and so on, none of this VW stuff would bother me. I mean, of course people are going to come out and try and copy your thing. Of course they're going to say they're going to be the biggest by 2025. Of course they're going to try and say things that... Well, I mean, they're not all just going to say something like, well, uh, I guess we should close everything down now because Tesla's got it all sorted, right? Um, if you back Tesla, none of this should worry you, I don't think. Um, your story doesn't play out for a long way into the future with solar roofs and so on. That's not till 2030, and I don't think anything here really disrupts the vision on that scale. But just short-term turbulence, I think, for them. Yeah, the way I see it is if you got into Tesla, you know, anywhere before December... 2019 maybe even before march of 2020 if you were in at that point i don't think you've got a problem i think hold 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 throughout anything that happens but getting into tesla right now that would be scary for me yeah i wouldn't get in now but even if i got in recently i would stay in i would think that look i've thought this through um i've got a reason for thinking that this story is going to play out nothing i've seen here changes my mind about the idea that this is going to play out eventually it might be a while um but you know these are long-term serious investments and there's going to be a lot of kind of obstacles in the way we're supposed to be seeing sort of 20 million robo taxis by now okay we haven't but the thought is that they're just going to be a little bit further on and you're going to have to be patient with tesla i think as a kind of long-term thinking investor because, as you pointed out with EVs in general, you're going to have to change people's minds about the way they think about stuff in really quite big ways. And you will get resistance to that. You will get hostility to that. But if you're going to let that put you off, then I don't know as aiming for disruption is the way to go. Okay, I think we're going to leave this podcast here. We had a couple of other things to talk about, but we can clearly talk about... Uh the ev market for a long long time we could have gone on for a lot longer as well thank you very much for listening to this podcast if you wanted to check us out you can check this out on the youtube video and if you have any questions for us please feel free to leave a comment in the uh, comments below the youtube video you can listen to this podcast on spotify on google Podcasts, on apple Podcasts, and on audible i believe and uh, as always um Thank you very much for listening. We're always trying to get better at this. Thank you. Yeah, I won't.